All right, we're back. Back the All Star MMA Live Show. We're here to recap and react to all the action from UFC 286 that went down in London over the weekend. We got our special guest, James from Lucrative MMA Betting. This man has uh, built an extreme, extreme reputation online with his knowledge of the game, and that's what we're here for. We're here to hear what he has to say, and of course, we have my co-host Jay Specht in Vegas. First, James, just tell us about your bets over the weekend, man, before we get into reacting to the fights. Well, you've probably, well, you actually have got me on the worst weekend of the whole of 2023. So it's kind of annoying we couldn't do this last weekend or next weekend. But this was actually my first real loss of the year. So I had lots of bets that didn't go my way. One of the ones that I want to bring up, because you can probably help me feel a little bit better about this, was the Gabriel Santos fight. I bet on Gabriel Santos as a decent size underdog, plus 145. And I think we're going to get into it in this show since this is a recap show. And there's only one main talking point for this weekend, in my opinion, which is the judging, right? Because it was horrendous. We'll get into that. But obviously, I lost because of the judging, in my opinion. I felt like Gabriel Santos won that fight. But it was a close fight, so I'm not going to cry too bad. That was a bad loss. I also had Dusko Todorovic, um, the fight to go over one and a half rounds. And obviously he had this random knee injury where his knee blew out. So I lost on that as well. So it was just one of those weeks where everything goes wrong. I bet on Leon Edwards, but I bet him to finish the fight, not to win via decision. So I lost on that as well. So I took the right guy and I still lost. So it was one of those weeks where we didn't win, but that's how it is in gambling. You know, you win some, you lose some. But you continually go up. You know, it's like a hill. Sometimes you go down, sometimes you go down. But it's always trending up. So I've had a really good year so far, you know. So we was due a loss. But we're going to get it back next week. Yeah, it's important to uh, own up to, to to bad weeks as well. You know what I mean? I'm, I feel like yeah. a lot of guys in betting, you only see them post their winnings online, right? That's all you see yeah. them do. And uh, it's great that, you know, you come out and you're, you're truthful about it. And, and that... The judging, yes, we're gonna get into that shit. Like the the horrendous judging. Even though I I have like connections to fighters and and I talk to fighters, interview fighters all the time, but still, the truth is the truth, right? Like you cannot deny it. I can't just like take sides. I can't be too biased about things. Yeah. Um, we go from top to bottom. Let's just jump into the to the main event. Uh, Leon Edwards, he gets the unanimous decision over Kamaru Usman. A lot of people are saying Usman's on the decline. His injuries are catching up to him. He just doesn't look the same. He's shell-shocked from the head kick knockout. Um, Leon Edwards, he's in his prime. It's just like perfect timing for him. Lucrative, what do you see? What did you see in this fight? Like, are you are you leaning towards more of Leon being just overall better fighter and, and the game planning is better for him? Or do you see a decline in Kamar Usman? I think there's undoubtedly a decline. You know, I have to say that off the bat. I don't want to take anything from Leon Edwards, but exactly like you said, we have to call it as we see it. I think you could definitely see a decline from Kamaru Usman there. But there's a lot of different things that are factored into that. So I don't know if you guys heard it, but it was going around, you know, in, in fight circles that Kamaru Usman was heading into that fight with a pretty significant injury. You know, I heard his knees were... I mean, it's public knowledge that his knees are not maybe what they used to be when he was in his prime, you know, 32, 33. But I heard that there was actually even worse in this camp. And I heard that he had a cast on his hand for some of the camp. So he, he had a big hand injury. I don't know if there's any truth to that, 
But I think that that probably played a part if there is. And then you also have to think that the last fight was in altitude, right? And that's where Kamara Usman trains. This fight wasn't an altitude. It was sea level. It was in London. It's where uh, Edwards is from, you know, his home country of the UK. Also, it's been like six, seven months from the last fight. He's coming off a big KO loss. You know, I think all of these things mixed into the pot made it so that Edwards could win that fight. You know, I do think that Edwards is in his prime. Now he's 31 years old. Kamara Usman's going to be 36 in May, you know. So 36 and 31, there's a big difference. You know, I always say that for an MMA fighter, for a male MMA fighter, their prime is 28 to 32. That's how. That's what I've seen over the years, right? And just athletic performance in general. 28 to 32 is where you have a good mix of, you know, your intangibles like your muscle mass, your strength, your testosterone. But then you also have the veteran side of things. You've been in the sport for a while. You're not young in the game, 21. You don't make the mistake. So 28 to 32 is the perfect age. That's where Leon is sitting right now. And Kamara Usman, as I said, 36. 36-year-old at welterweight. You're getting a little bit, you know, he's 36 in May, I should say. You're you're getting a little bit older. So I think everything mixed into the pot. I do think Kamara Usman's declined, but I think undoubtedly Edwards is in his prime now. He's getting better. And somebody said, I think it may have been someone who was interviewing Dana White or something, but they they brought up a quote or a tweet that Teddy Adlis put out, uh, the famous boxing coach who speaks about MMA a lot. He said that when a champion wins a title, they become 30% better overnight. And we see that quite often, right? Where a champion will win a title and they just look better. You know, they've come into their own. They have that confidence now. And I think that's what happened to Edwards. So I don't want to take anything from Edwards. I do think there was decline on the Usman side. But I think Usman uh, Edwards has got a lot better since the last fight and over the last few years for sure. Make sure you guys go in the descriptions and uh, download the All-Star app to make picks on every UFC fight win prizes play against us we have a show on thursday nights come join us on that show and uh yeah i agree with you on a lot of those points man and and i think uzman maybe rushed back into this too fast it's almost like sometimes you shouldn't want the immediate rematch but he probably felt like the ufc doesn't really like me that much so i might have to just take this because if i don't i might have to fight somebody else and if i lose then i probably will never get another shot at the title so, you know, you rush into it. There's a lot of intangibles. But Usman, clearly, he is he is not the same. He's not, man. And uh, I'm just shocked by that, to be honest with you. I'm just shocked that the wrestling didn't work. But the injuries to the knees, you know, and whatever else he was coming into this fight with, like maybe that that hand injury or the whatever, he just couldn't gr- grab the, the, you know, the, what is it? The gable grips, you know, that that you need for for the wrestling against the cage to take the guy down, it just wasn't as good. Um, but there was other talking points as well that there was a lot of fouls in this fight. So yeah. let's go over some of these. Um, three glove grabs by Leon Edwards, one glove grab by Kamaru Usman, five low blows from Edwards, two of which the referee called, two eye pokes from Leon Edwards, not called, and two fence grabs from Leon Edwards. And which one was uh, one of them? was a point deduction and one of them was like clearly clearly a, a blatant you know fence grab that he should have been taken down Jay Speck, what do you think about all these fouls and the uh, and the impact it has on the fight i mean it's it's horrendous it's massive it is outrageous uh, i i don't know i'm running out of words it is a car crash basically it's 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 shit because 
it drastically changed the flow and outcome of the fight. I mean, we're three men in this room, and I know the men around the world. Dude, you get hit downstairs once, it's affecting your performance, let alone what you said five times. I, I, was, I know there was ones that didn't get called. The fence grab was almost a big F you to the rules and modern day MA. I, I haven't seen fence usage like that since single digits UFC. Um, the, the glove grabbing, that's kind of a, a, something that spilled over from the second one, right? Like there was a lot of glove grabbing uh, that happened in the second fight. So <sighs> ugly, unfortunate. I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like it at all, actually. I know fans don't appreciate it. it during the fight, people were already saying like, oh, this is going to be the narrative. Uh, Ed, Edwards cheated to, to keep the belt. On the other side, though, I, I want to point out some stuff. People were going to hop on Kamaru, maybe declining, probably is. He's at that age where it's normal for it to start to happen. Getting knocked out by somebody, especially at the highest level when you're not losing very much, is a big blow to your psyche. It's it, it changes the way you think while you're trying to get in there and do the thing. And he got knocked out cold and immediately had to face the same guy who did it. There's a lot of I use the word gun shy. He has to get over that 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 situation. I also want to credit Mr. Edwards. He was using, you know, in jiu-jitsu, you always think of the baseball grip to keep somebody that's on your back off from choking you. He was using two-on-one right up front, stopping any kind of body lock, stopping any kind of double leg against, I mean, just straight neutralizing that attack. So as much as I want to go and say maybe Kamaru minus one or minus 0.5 on his attribute rating, I want to give Edwards... Uh, you know, a plus two on takedown defense and awareness. So the, those fouls, man, ugly, but what, what are we going to do about it? Look, uh, James, Edwards, even though he did get taken down, they do got back up every single time. Like he didn't get stuck there. And, uh, and, and going back to the fouls, you know I mean? The fence grabs, like to me, there's no accidental fence grabs. There's no such thing. Like you've grabbed the fence, you grab the fence, you get a point taken away. And I, and I was talking to uh, another guy in a previous show about this and what should they do? Should they start the fight back, on, you know, in the center of the cage? And he said, they should start the fight with the, the guy that grabbed the fence with his back against the fence, sitting down and the guy that took him down, you know, on top of him and start from there. What do you think of that? It's tough, isn't it? Because if the ref takes a point, then there's an argument that that fence grab has already been dealt with. You know, we don't need to go back to the cage or anything. But when I'm thinking it in my head right now, even if you do take a point, right, if you don't put them back in the same position or in some form of clinch or ground control or in the takedown position where you would have landed in, let's say, half guard, then now you've broken away from each other and more damage can be dealt, right? We saw it the other day with uh, Rafael um, Asuncel versus Davy Grant, where a point was taken, but then they didn't put them back in the same position. And so now Davy Grant's in the third round, two rounds down already, another point taken. So essentially three rounds down. In his mind, he's like, well, I have to get a KO now. I might as well just go balls to the wall. And then he knocked out Rafael Sunsell or he choked him out, right? He hurt him badly on the feet and he choked him out. Now, if I was a Sunsell, I would be thinking, well, if you didn't take the point, you wouldn't have broken us up and maybe I would have just grinded him out for the rest of the fights, right? And that uh, rest of the fight. And that was her, her Sunsell's 
um, last fight as well, retirement fight. So I'll be really pissed off if I was Rafa. So, you know, thinking about that example, and I'm sure there's some other examples like that, I would say that you definitely should put them back maybe in the same position as they was, or if not, act like the takedown basically worked because I don't think taking a point is enough. I honestly think that they should take a point and, you know, um, put them back in the same position. But I guess it depends on how many times they've grabbed a cage. I think there's a lot of different things going into it, uh, but that, that would be my view. And to me, hard warning. I remember like, heard people say i could give you a hard warning and then you took a point yeah. away like it's like but that didn't make any fucking sense right but uh yeah. hard warning should not even exist maybe for like a, a groin strike you know because those could be incidental you know because I mean? there's so many moving parts but a fence grab is a fence grab there should be no warning you should take a point and put them in the position because the reason why they grabbed the fence is because they were getting taken down it's not like they weren't getting taken down they were getting there they were feeling danger of getting put on their back so you take the point you put them on, not on their back. You sit them against the cage. This is what I feel. And and put the guy on top and then start him from there and see what happens. Um, it could be a huge factor. Like you said, the Davy Grant fight was just a, a prime example of that. You know I mean? If Rafa just like put them, if they put them Rafa back into that spot, he would have grinded out that fight. He would have won a decision. It wouldn't, his retirement would have been lovely. Right. But instead he gets choked out in front of his family. Right. It's just it's, it's tough. Man. It's crazy, man. It is tough, man. It's a crazy sport. The people that betted Davy Grant, they were celebrating their ass off. it, And I know a lot of people did. Right. Because Davy Grant's a, a killer, man. That dude. I love to watch him fight. But yes, it wasn't a, a right decision. Um, now, what do you do? What do you do with these guys? Right. What do you do with Leon? What do you do with uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Usman. Right. Dana White, he he's you know he's the guy that always says, "Oh, I don't make fights after the fights," but then he's all of a sudden talking about, "Oh yeah, Colby's gonna be next." I think he's just saying that, and maybe they made a deal because Colby came in and, and weighed in to be the backup fighter. They might have made a deal behind closed doors, saying like, "Yo, you come in as a backup fighter just in case, and uh, if if the fight happens." you will get the next shot at the title. And Kobe's like, all right, cool. I'll come in and weigh in. I'm I'm surprised that they didn't even offer that to anybody else, you know what I mean, in the division. Because Kobe's like in a weird spot, right? He hasn't really beaten a contender for a few years. And he's been away from the sport. He got beat up in the street. You know what I mean? There's a lot of factors there. Lucrative, what do you think about Kobe getting the next title shot? I'll have to see the rankings. I mean, I understand why they did it, right? Like... It's funny because people are like, oh, you know, he, he doesn't deserve the shot. But I guess that they're, they're looking at it from a strictly a sport um, standpoint, right? Which, yeah, okay, we can look at it from that standpoint. But you also have to put yourself in the shoes of the UFC, Dana White. At the end of the day, at, at the very end of the day, their main objective is to increase the bottom line, right? You can say it's all about the love of the sport and Dana White. Yeah, of course, I know he loves the sport, but the main objective, he's got contracts. He's got shareholders. You know what I mean? He's got things that he has to do every year, and that is make a certain amount of money, put on a certain amount of shows every year. So he wants to make the most money and say what you want about him. Colby is going to bring a lot of attention to that Leon Edwards fight, right? He's going to boost the pay-per-views by whatever the arbitrary number is, 100,000, 200,000, I don't know, right? If you put someone in there like, Shavkat Rachmanov. I'm just saying him because he had a great win over Jeff Neal long, uh, not too long ago. 
I mean, the guy doesn't even speak English. You know, he's not going to get the same amount of attention to that Edwards fight as Colby would, meaning he's not going to, it's not going to generate the same amount of money. It's just not, right? So on the ones, on the one side, I completely understand it. Strictly from a sport basis, I also understand it. I mean, he had two very close fights against Kamara Usman. You know, and it's funny because it was the same referee who stopped that first fight against Kamara Usman and Colby Covington, which was quite a soft stoppage. And that was the same referee. I think it was must might have been Tonyoni. I can't remember. It was the same referee who didn't stop the Ashmoz and Patterson fight when Ashmoz was just in mount and just ground and pounded him for like 10 minutes. It was just quite crazy to see the, the difference. And it goes back to how we're speaking about the refereeing, you know, and how different it is each time they fight, right? But I do understand giving Colby the shot just because he has had two close fights with Usman. You know, a lot of people saying him and Usman are very comparative. So now Leon's dethroned Usman. Is he going to fight? You know, he could fight Colby, who's quite comparative to Usman. Um, but I mean, what what other, who else is there in line right now at welterweight? You know, we've got Rachmanov, but who else? But well, when you look at it from well, like you said, a business standpoint, right? You can look at the rankings, but rankings, fuck them, they don't matter, right? It doesn't. They put the people that they want in the rankings and boost them up if they want to and move them around. It's it's puzzle pieces to them, right? It's it's whatever they want to do. Uh, you got Bilal, who's likely gonna fight Shavkat, right? And a lot of people are pushing for Bilal to get the next title shot. And then you got the the Mazadal Burns fight coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, in, in Miami, right? To me, I think that the most popular, the one that can sell tickets is, of course, Masvidal, right? At the end of the day, he's more popular than Colby. It, he, it, he's shown that he's able to sell tickets, right? And he's done things for the UFC in the past. I think they're just putting Colby in there in that spot because nothing's guaranteed until that Masvidal-Burns fight happens. If Masvidal somehow pulls off that win, I say yeah. that they're going to push Masvidal. And you even saw Leon say it in the post fight. He's like, how does Colby make sense? Because you know he wants the Masvidal fight or he wants the Connor fight if Connor beats Chandler. There's a lot of moving parts right now that they can't make a like a clear decision. But just to put somebody in that place, Dana says Colby because that's Colby did a little he did a, a, a you know something for them by weighing in and, and being the backup. That's what I see. Jay Spade, what do you see? I see some good old WWE nonsense, right? That's what I see. Uh, Colby is gonna get the job because just like you guys said, he moves the needle. He creates reactions. We were moments after that fight, he dropped a tweet. We're still in the 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 watch party. And people are reacting to his tweets as it's happening. I mean, the guy causes reaction. All right, He's a catalyst to reaction to the fans, like it or not. Like you guys said, their job is to sell pay-per-views. And pay-per-views are normally sold in North America, prim primarily the U.S. And Leon ain't going to be doing it. I know, I know I have a lot of arguments from fans going, Shavkat, we want to see Shavkat, Shavkat. Let's be honest, folks. Like, like mentioned, Shavkat can't sell out of McDonald's right now like in the states he's he's not gonna do it he he's a great fighter i think he could kill it but when it comes to selling pay-per-views nobody's buying a shavkat pay-per-view yet yet so with that being said they also missed the boat all right the the th two piece in a soda three piece of soda whatever that that ship has so sailed i mean if the ufc was going to capitalize on masvidal versus edwards that fight should have been booked years ago literally um obviously masvidal has been taking some l's so it's hard. 
Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, what I would like to see is what's already, but it's already booked, right? Burns and Masvidal's already booked. It's already happening. So, like it or not, Kobe's getting that fight. Everybody just get used to it. Get pay attention to the cameras and what they do during a show. How many fighters sit cage side for every fight? Tons of them. How many of them in the same weight class of the main event do they pan to right before the start of the fight and immediately after the fight was concluded, shooting over to that guy and getting his reaction? That almost never happens unless they're working an angle and setting up a fight. Remember, they, like it, it's, it's not something you see often. It's something we saw with Lesnar. Obviously, that didn't quite work out. But pay attention to the camera work people the production that's that's all set up in place before time there's no accidental stuff getting on your tv screen so with that being said kobe is the guy coming like it or not and it's more for the not probably it's more for the people going uh kobe i guess i'll watch it just to get his face smashed in and i think that's what's going to happen kind of using the the negative factor to get people in on this one hardcores don't matter in this sport to be honest with you right lucrative like it doesn't matter right james it's just what do you think it doesn't matter right no i mean if you're talking about like you know you said chef cat can't sell out a mcdonald's it depends what type of mcdonald's if it was like a small <laughs> a small mcdonald's you know one of them drive throughs he probably could sell it out because you would be there i would be there yeah. all of us three would be there and then the hardcores who you mentioned but in terms of you know the wider population that's who the UFC are trying to cater for. So when people are complaining, that's why I kind of laugh a little bit, complaining about Colby getting the shot, you know, complaining about people who maybe deserve the shot, not getting the shot. I kind of, you know, I take a step back and go, yeah, but you're a hardcore. You know, the way you think is potentially the correct way to think, but it's not the way the UFC is going to be thinking, you know, like it or lump it. So as a hardcore, sometimes it is tough for us because we want to see things happen that don't happen. But unfortunately, that's the way it is, and we got to live with it. We're in a capitalist society. We can't do anything about it. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly the way people should look at it. And and I'm fine with people complaining about who deserves it because, yes, the fighters deserve things, but sometimes you, you have to play the game. And if you don't know how to play the game, they're going to leave you behind. So fighters, yeah. play the game. Um, Komain, Fiziev versus Gaethje. Um, I have Fiziev. I picked him to win this fight, and I thought he won the first two rounds, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, this is where the judging comes in, the, the horrific judging. Uh, Paul Sutherland gave Gaethje a 10-8 round for the third. What is going on, James? What the hell? Who is Paul Sutherland? He's he's becoming famous for the wrong reasons. Honestly, man, I'm... I've said it a few times, you know, to people um, that have asked me about the judging and what went on yesterday. And I've said, I'm almost ashamed to be English. You know, it was in England. I'm almost ashamed because now England were already known for like some poor judging, right? Now we're known even more. And I don't want us to be known for that, right? But whatever, I can't do anything about Paul Sutherland giving Justin Gaethje a 10-8 round free. That was probably, I mean, I don't think you can get a worse scorecard than that in terms of a single round. I mean, maybe there's been something comparable, but there's no argument for it. You know, we could debate for like 20 minutes on why it shouldn't be, but even a child could score that correctly. You know, like it, it there's, there's no words I can say today that is going to describe why Paul Sutherland made that choice. It wasn't a 10-8. There's no argument for it. It's actually so crazy because 
in the first 60 seconds of that round, Fizayev hit Gaethje with the biggest shot that he landed all fight. And Gaethje actually, I thought he switched off for a second, right? I thought he got knocked out for a second. His center of gravity dropped. His knees buckled a little bit. I thought Gaethje was about to put him out. That was in the same round that Gaethje got a 10-8. I mean, it's just unbelievable. In terms of the actual fight, I scored Fizayev as the winner. I thought he got a 10-9 round one and two. You know, and then I thought Gaethje won the third round fairly clearly. And I thought it was fairly easy to score. Like, I didn't think that it would be controversial. But at that point, that was the co-main event. We had already had 13 prior fights. And a bunch of those fights were scored terribly. So I already knew that there could be some bad, you know, judging in that fight. So although I had scored it 2-1 fairly comfortably for Fizayev, I wasn't confident going into the decision that he was going to get it, you know. And honestly, seeing a Justin Gate, I didn't think anything could surprise me at that point. But yet again, I was surprised by the judging because they gave Gaethje a 10-8 round free. But it, it was insane, man. I guess you can argue that Gaethje won the fight. You know, maybe one round, two and three. I thought it was close. Uh, but you can't argue that it was a 10-8 round free. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I say Fizayev won the fight, but it was a good war, man. Justin Gaethje shocked me a little bit because I didn't think he could take the shots that he did. I know he's got a good chin, but he wasn't cut at all. He wasn't bruised at all. If you compare Gaethje's face to Fizayev's face, you would think that Gaethje maybe sparred backstage and Fizayev was the one fighting. But they was actually fighting each other and Fizayev actually landed more cleaner strikes on him. It was crazy, man. I don't, that guy must have rubber skin. But it was a great fight overall. Again, marred by the judging, though. Well, Gaethje, he has that BJ Penn gene, right? Where you don't really get bruised or crazy. cut at all, right? If you've watched Gaethje's fights in the past, he doesn't really get much bruising. He doesn't really get cut at all. And he gets hit with some crazy power right and he and he loves it he loves to get hit with that crazy power and he got hit with a lot of crazy power in this fight uh Fizia, if you look at his past he he's always cut he's always bruised and even in his wins right he gets hit he likes to get hit you know to me i think gaethje's like kind of like the second wave or not gaethje fiziev is kind of like the better version of gaethje but fiziev is much younger when he gets better when he gets you know more time in that cage you know he'll 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 become like a Gaethje, but just a just a better version of him eventually. I, this is what this is how I feel. Um, but I thought Fiziev won the fight the first two rounds. If you scored like round by round, uh, but at the end of the fight, if you look at the third round, uh, one thing that was happening during the third round as well, and on top of like Fiziev's face just bleeding everywhere, was like the crowd yelling Gaethje Gaethje throughout the third round. And maybe Sutherland's like, oh, I don't know what I'm watching, but it seems like the crowd knows what they're watching, so Gaethje must be winning this fight and. Jason, what do you think, man? What do you think about the fight? Did you think Gaethje or uh, uh, what is his name? Fiziev won. Well, I I, I got to borrow some of your lines from earlier, man. Uh, even a child could have scored this correctly. That was a good one. Dude, this fight was clear as day. I I made the comment during the, the, the watch party, like, the only way you could think Justin won that fight is if you just walked in during the third round because the damage that Fiziev was wearing all over his face, right? Like, if you didn't see the previous two rounds, you'd be like, oh, I, I guess Justin's winning this fight. I'm glad I made it in time to catch the last round. Uh, there was something Fiziev did a little bit in his, you know, in the, he, he was, his his pedal was down for so long. I think he spent just a little bit too much gas and didn't really take a, those couple, you know, crafty fighters can take a, a 30 seconds off in the ring while still 
looking like they wanted to fight. Fiziev just kept walking in the front door while he didn't have the juice to pull it off, and he was getting caught a lot in that third round, but not enough to make a 10-8. Not enough. He never got staggered, wobbled, no stanky leg, no nothing. He wasn't even backing up, really. Like, there was no reasonable cause, as brought up earlier, to to score this a 10-8 in any way, shape, or form. Um, on the other side, man, I I, I want to talk about Sutherland, man. Like, we 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 saw earlier in the match, twice uh, earlier in the card, that Sutherland was just doing weird, wild stuff. Like, I mean, I don't know if he's on his phone, digging his nose. I don't know what he's doing, but it was not judging properly. Uh, I, I know we'll get to it, but, like, in the Omar Morales fight, he went all he went 30 for Morales like what like uh, so anyways back to this fight I mean it, I know the judges rotate and I was like man whenever this guy keeps rotating back into whatever fight he gets to do next it's gonna be a shit show and and unfortunately it has to be a fight that kind of matters a lot and shouldn't have gone this way um I actually called for his immediate resignation I thought that's the only way to fix this if if England wants to to be better or look better i said this dude just just to get needs to see the door like immediately that's my solution to that and last top thing about this this is the kind of stuff that makes me spend time defending against the casuals saying oh it's rigged it's rigged there's juice in the game blah 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 conspiracies it's hard when you have stuff like this happening i gotta so anyways that's the end of my campaign uh fizzy of one dude straight up Sutherland gave Vittori 30-27. He gave Morales 30-27. And I thought Roman Dolize might have won that fight. James, what do you what did you think of that fight? Yeah, I had Dolize as the winner, man. Um it, it, it was a close fight though. I, I think round one is don't I mean it's definitely a Dolize round, right? You don't kind of don't think you can really argue a Vittori round there. I mean, he got hurt in that round. He got hit with some big shots. Vittori almost did nothing uh, in that first round. In the second and third round, it was close. Vittori was landing some good leg kicks. And I saw someone make a good point on Twitter. I can't remember their name, sorry. But they said that, you know, leg kicks do count. Obviously, we kind of downplay leg kicks sometimes unless they're <clears throat> really debilitating and they're like making the guy so he can't walk, you know, Chris Gutierrez type. We kind of downplay the leg kicks and we focus on the head kicks, but they do make a difference and they are damaged and they are a, a legitimate strike. And he was kicking Delizze's leg a lot and Delizze's leg was bruised up. Um, so, you know, that is something you have to think about when you're scoring the fight, even though Vittori didn't have the head strikes like Delizze did, didn't have the forward pressure. He did have some good leg kicks throughout all, all, all three rounds. But I, I scored the, the fight to Delidze. I actually thought you could give a 30-27 to Delidze. Mm -hmm. um, I thought he could definitely have one or three rounds. If you want to give Vittori the third round or the second round, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. But I do kind of complain about a Vittori win, honestly. I don't think Vittori won that fight. He won it unanimously, though, which, again, it's just... I mean, every fight we're going to speak about, I feel like we're going to speak about the judging. But I don't think he won that fight. I was actually very surprised at that fight because... I thought Vittori is just too big of a step up for Delidze. And Delidze, he keeps getting these fights where he's a big underdog in, you know, betting underdog, public underdog, and he keeps winning. I know he lost last night. I mean, I thought he won the fight. But Delidze is, because he, he was quite, he was clowned, you know, when he was coming in. In terms of, not by analysts and, 
you know, people who break down the sport. But in terms of the gambling side of things, because everyone wants to bet against the Lidze, he's always a big underdog. So Vegas doesn't respect him, but he keeps on winning these fights, you know, and he keeps on leveling up his game. So he's actually someone that I'd be scared about in that middleweight division because Vittore is a big middleweight, right? The Lidze looked a weight class bigger than him. The Lidze looked huge, man. He pressured Marvin Vittori, which is what Marvin Vittori is known for. Marvin Vittori is known for pace, pressure, jabbing, you know, never stopping. He couldn't do that to Delidze. Delidze hit harder. He was bigger, more pressure. I mean, the guy looked the guy looked like a world beater. Honestly, he did. Um, and he still lost the fight, you know. But yeah, I, I did score it for Delidze. Um, I wouldn't mind to see. Yeah, I wouldn't. It, it's quite frustrating as a viewer sometimes when you see these fighters and, and you think they clearly won the fight and they get robbed, you know, on the judges' scorecard. So I can only imagine how it would feel for Delidze because I didn't even bet on Delidze. And I'm frustrated that he didn't win the fight just because it's so annoying when a fighter clearly won and he didn't, you know, he doesn't get um, he doesn't get awarded with the win. But I, I did. I know a lot of people scored it for Vittori as well, though. But I'm thinking a lot of people bet on Vittori, so they're biased. So I'd be keen to see how you guys scored it because maybe I was just looking at different things, you know, and not counting in the leg kicks and such. I think that Dolidze, he surprised a lot of people in that fight because he didn't try to really grapple that much. You know what I mean? He he went straight at Vittori and what Vittori likes to do is is to stand and, and strike, you know what I mean? And, and make it kind of a technical battle. And I felt like... The Lidze landed the the more powerful shots throughout the whole fight. You know what I mean? Vittori is very good at point fighting. Let's just be real about it. He's yeah. a point fighter. He, If you look at his history, he's not a guy that really finishes other guys. He outpoints guys. And, and I think a lot of people are like clouded in judgment with the Hermansen fight because they got to go back and understand that Hermansen broke his orbital in the first round of that fight. And it, it altered how that fight played out you know hermanson and you know what's his name uh delizze took out hermanson pretty easily so i was like thinking maybe delizze but i picked vittori because i knew vittori was going to do what he does he likes to just stand at this this kick the legs and 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 clinch and and, and throw the jab out there but i was really shocked at what uh delizze did i think that moving forward vittori is a guy that you probably want to bet against and delizze is the guy you want to bet for in any matchup coming up and i think delizze is going to get a a pretty good matchup next he's uh, you know i i was really impressed by him and um but not impressed by the judges man it was uh it was horrific and the morales fight that was just horrific as well 30 27 for i don't understand what the hell that they were watching you know me on like on twitter like i like to fuck around a lot and i'll just like post shit just to like see people react to just dumb shit you know you've what got I mean? me they... before you've got me before <laughs> Last week, I don't know what it was, but you got me once. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I just like to do it, man, because people just take it just too damn seriously. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm, you know, some, like, big figure in this sport or something like that, you know what I mean, to where I need <laughs> to be, like, watchful of what I write on there. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, truthfully, like, right here in these these platforms, I'm speaking, like, how I really feel. And I think Dolizze, you know, clearly he won the fight uh, against Vittori. But was it a robbery? I can't say that, man. I can't say that. It's not like that. It's not like that. Uh, um, what about the what about Casey O'Neill, Jay Speck? What do you think of Casey O'Neill? She suffers her first defeat as a professional. What do you think, man? Man, what can I say? Like, 
I was all into this fight saying, oh, man, I'm going to roll with the undefeated fighter, not just because she's undefeated, but because she's undefeated in Octagon. I'm going to roll with her until, you know, the wheels fall off, until she drops it. She dropped it. Um, and she dropped it in a way that was disappointing because she did kind of the thing you predicted, JHK. You were like, hey, man, if she comes in here just falling in love with her striking like she tried to do against uh, Roxanne, she's going to lose the fight. Sure shit. That's what she did. She, she and and you know she, it was good. The back and forth was good. I'm not saying her hands is crap. It has gotten better. Like good job, Casey. But like you just completely abandoned grappling. Like what was that? Com- completely abandoned it. I mean, you, you got taken down by Maya, and you got your back taken by Maya. Like you just left your ace card in your pocket. I mean, ever heard of mixing it up? That was the part that broke my heart. Was just like this blatant, I'm doing this and I don't care what the results are kind of action that was going on. Just the no adjustment, I guess. Not even a, the attempt. Did she even have an attempt to take down? I gotta look at the stats. I I just I don't remember it. I don't remember her even trying. So that part was was kind of frustrating to see, especially from like the the back half of round two, especially into three, where like. I get it in round one when it was close, like the striking was a little bit closer, but that it progressively went against you and there was just no adjustment. So she's she's still young in the cage, like you said, young in octagon miles. She'll I, I have faith that she'll adjust and she'll she's probably already thought of all the things I just said. So hope uh hope for better things, but uh big thumbs up to Maya for basically kind of saying, dude, you know, there's levels to this. Yeah. Also, like between rounds, I don't understand what her coaches was telling her as well. Like you're a grappler. Like if you're losing the striking exchanges, you need to adjust and go in there and try to grapple, try to wrestle. And she has good wrestling. She has good grappling. Maya does too, but I don't know. I think maybe O'Neal might be stronger. James, what did you think of that fight? Yeah, so that was one of the good moments of the night for me in terms of my betting because I bet on Jennifer Meyer. She was a decent-sized underdog in that fight. And the fight went pretty closely to how I envisioned it. I knew that Meyer would be a step ahead on the boxing, so I wasn't surprised there. But like you said, Jay Speckman, I was surprised that she didn't wrestle more. I did think Casey would try and wrestle more. I didn't think it would be successful. That's why I bet on Meyer, right? But... I mean, maybe it would have been. I don't know. I'm just predicting things to happen. But she didn't try. I think she had one takedown attempt. But, yeah, so she had one takedown attempt, I think, right? Yeah, uh, jumping in on the All-Star app, you can see it. One attempt for O'Neal, four yeah. attempts for Maya. And in that sequence, she got um, she didn't get her down, but Maya also got her back once for a minute and 23 of control time. Not the yeah. stats you would think would be on the Maya side. Keep going, man. Yeah, exactly. So I was surprised there. Um, I mean, it could be a combination of things. Could be a combination of she just never felt set to shoot a takedown because Maya's always moving, you know. Maya's always bouncing. She does not stop, you know. Like, she can go. It looks like she can go for 15 rounds there. But, yeah, I, I think maybe next fight we'll see her grapple a little bit more. You know, that is what she's good at. But she doesn't have good wrestling. That's the issue. You know, a lot of these fighters... You know, Casey O'Neill's best attribute is her pace and pressure. You know, that's what she does really, really well. She's not a great grappler. She's not this uh, awesome BJJ ace, you know, like um, Mackenzie Dern. She's not a great wrestler like Tatiana Suarez. But what she does is she goes forward consistently. She never stops. I mean, even in that fight, she 
landed like 150 strikes or something like that on Maya, even in a fight where she was basically getting beat up for three rounds, but she still landed 150 strikes. So what that means is a cardio, a pace and pressure. You know, she's an attritional fighter, like Marab Devalishvili, you know, with a little bit less skillful. She's just going to consistently do it. Um, and in that fight, she did all of that, but she didn't mix in the wrestling. She didn't mix in the grappling. So I think in the next fight, I, I, she's she's got time to grow, right? I did expect her to lose this fight. I bet on her to lose, but she's nine and one now. I think taking an L is probably the best thing for her career at this point because at some point she was going to take an L because she's obviously not learning the things she needs to learn in terms of maybe getting a little bit be better at the wrestling. Maybe use your pace and pressure in a more sophisticated way because when you hit the upper echelons, that pace and pressure... You're going to come against someone who's got much better footwork. You're going to come against someone who's already seen that style a million times. You're going to come against someone like Jennifer Meyer, who's able to bounce in and out of range, can skirt along the outside of the octagon. When you're fighting the Shayna Dobsons of the world, you know, no disrespect to her. She's not on the level of Jennifer Meyer, you know, outside the upper echelon of the sport, this pace and pressure, that's going to win you fights all the way up until the top five. But the top five fighters like Jennifer Meyer is, you know, she's top 10, top five fighter especially in a later resurgence, you know, beating Moroz and Casey O'Neill, it's not going to work. You know, you're going to need a little bit more to your game than pure pace and pressure. So I think Casey O'Neill's learned that here. She's obviously got the heart. She's obviously got the, the raw talent, the raw skills. And I think she's going to bounce back from that. And I could see her beating someone like Jennifer Meyer in three or four years, you know, but at this juncture, it was just too early in her career. But I'm excited to see how both fighters um, or I'm excited to see how O'Neill bounces back. And I'm actually excited to see where Jennifer Meyer goes from here because she's never been dominated in a fight, you know. Even against Manon Faroe, she held her own there. I know she got beat 30-27, but she held her own. And that Valentina Shevchenko fight, she was the first person, you know, we have to remember, she was the first person that laid the blueprint on how to beat Val. She was the first person who won a round the first, she, except for Amanda Nunes, of course, you know, at flyweight, first person who won the round. She took her down in that second round and stayed on top for the whole fight. And that's exactly how Tyler Santos beat, you know, Valentina. And that's what Grasso done. You know, she 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 took her back in a transition. So I'm actually really excited to see where Jennifer Meyer goes from here. I think she's got the best boxing in the entire division. And it's good to see her finally get her props, you know, winning two on off on the bounce against good fighters, against fighters that were favorites over her. So I'm excited to see how both girls um, perform. And it was actually a very in, uh, exciting fight, you know, as all O'Neill fights are. Yeah, um, yeah, Maya, she she could be making her second run to the top again. You know what I mean? Especially with with the new champion and and maybe Valentina might not be a champion again. Who knows? You know what I mean? Because we got some killers. We got some youngsters. And Casey O'Neill is a youngster. She's probably one of the youngest, you know, in that top 15. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how she bounced back and, and what she alters. And, and reality checks are needed in this sport. Right. You could be an undefeated fighter and 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 you could be cocky. And sometimes that doesn't work out for you. And and she got it in this fight. Maya, who do you think she fights though? Like she's fought a lot of a lot of the top competition. Um, I'll be yeah. interested though. Nothing, nothing really too much more to say about that fight. In the prelims, we had a lot of UK talent on the prelims. Um, we had uh Hadley, we had Makaev, we had Murphy. We had uh, CLD, Duncan, Jack Shore. When you look at that crop, right, these are kind of like the younger guys coming up. Um, who do you see as like the main 
prospect? Like, who do you see as the guy that right now they could do damage in in a top 15 level um, right now? What do you think, James? Out of the fighters who fought yesterday specifically? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I like Hadley. I, I think Hadley's a good fighter. I know he had that setback against Nassimeno, but Nassimeno is huge for the weight class. That guy looks like two weight classes above, not one. And it was a good fight, you know. It wasn't like a complete domination or anything. Hadley's a young guy. Um, I, I think I think he's got good talent. Mohamed Mokaev is the one that's being pushed a little bit more. You know, the one who's got more Twitter followers, you know, that type of stuff. The one who maybe could sell more at this juncture. But it, it's hard for me because he's always like a minus 1,000 favorite with the betting line, meaning that the bookies are basically saying this guy's a certainty to win. And then he has fights where... They look kind of close. I know he was never in danger against Phil Hurt, apart from the knee bar, which we should talk about. Actually, there's a lot to talk about in the Makayev fight, right? Um, so maybe we can, you know, switch gears and speak about Makayev because, you know, straight off the bat, I think Hadley's probably, at this point, maybe the more refined talent, the better talent. I think he blends the skill set together more well. But Makayev maybe has the more raw talent in terms of his wrestling, in my opinion, is, su is at such a good level that he can kind of base everything around it. But I still think he has a lot of learning to go. But in that fight against Philho, you know, it was a close fight at times. Philho did well in the grappling. And that knee bar, that fully locked in knee bar, that was insane to watch. I mean, I thought that was 100% going to be a tap. I thought that was definitely, oh, Makayev's lost the fight, it is what it is. Because he had that knee bar. I mean, someone did a, um, a tweet on it and they put like the line of his knee and it's literally bent. I mean, it wasn't a straight line, you know. Knees don't bend, you know. We've all got knees. We've got we've all got two of them. And we know that they do not bend, right? I mean, even if you do jujitsu, you know that they don't bend or they at least shouldn't bend. So for Makayev not to tap to that, I mean, it was amazing to see. He's obviously got the heart, which is something that I feel like you're either born with it or you're not. You know, there's fighters who are amazing fighters. They just don't have the heart to be, you know, the top, top level. So we know that Makayev, you know, he has the skills, whatever. He needs to refine those, but he's definitely got the heart and he's definitely got the mindset and the will to win, right? Because if you didn't, you would be tapping out from that knee bar a long time before he didn't, right? So that's definitely something good to see. I think both of those guys are young enough where they can improve their skill sets and go far in the division. I'm very excited to see where Hadley and Mokayev both go. I think the UFC needs to slow down in terms of don't give these fighters... You know, I know everyone's complaining that Makayev needs to step up and he's getting fighters who are not good and stuff like that. But these people are like gamblers, right? And they just look at everything through the, the betting odds. And they're like, oh, Makayev's a minus 1,000 favorite again. So he's fighting a bad fighter. But if you actually look at it for, you know, building a prospect, you know, which is something that boxing's really good at. UFC has been criticized from time to time. They don't build their prospects that well. They usually just throw them in there, you know, but sometimes they do. And we're seeing it a little bit more with Ian Gary, Mohamed Mokayev. I feel like they need to just slow roll him because I think he could be something special. But at the moment, you know, if that was against someone else, a bit of better jiu-jitsu, maybe he would have tapped him from, you know, maybe not the knee bar because he didn't look like he was tapping from that at all. But maybe a different submission or, you know, Malcolm Gordon took his back in the last fight. So these type of things. I think Makayev definitely, and I'd like to hear your opinion on the knee bar and what type of heart it has to not tap out to that. And I don't know if you saw the, the tap, the phantom tap that was going around on Twitter. There was a clip that went out where Makayev tapped in the first round to something. 
but it just looked like he was tapping on his arm or tapping on his rib just to kind of say like, oh, come on, buddy, or something like that, because there was no submission locked in. No, so there was, was nothing. Yeah, I was very interested to see that because he clearly tapped multiple times. I mean, it's, I mean, everyone saw it, right, like that. But there was no submission locked in or anything. So it was very interesting for me to see that. You know, sometimes they tap to kind of like, you know, Brazilian tap so the other opponent changes position or whatnot. But I don't know. But I, I don't know if you have any opinion on that specifically. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, long-winded way, Hadley and Makayev most certainly are the future stars for England at this moment. I love that they have beef too. I love it. I love yeah. that they're building it like right now. And you know yeah. they're going to be at the top real soon and they're going to have to fight each other eventually. I love it. I love that that they have that little little beef, little stew that they yeah. have. Uh, um, the Phantom Tap, I, I watched the video. You know, when you watch it like one time and you're like, oh shit, he did tap. Like he was submitted. But then you, if you watch it a few times, you're like, there was no submission. There was nothing. He was, he was in a takedown. Like he was just, yeah. he had the dude on his back. That's it. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes people can manipulate video, and if you play it enough times, you know, what I mean, it looks like it looks like what it's not. What it's not. Um, um, Makayev, man, he's gonna be out for a while now. You know, what I mean, his shoulder yeah. was probably jacked up in the Malcolm Gordon fight, and that's why he kind kind of got in trouble. He, he, I don't like that he's fighting through injuries. You know, what I mean, he didn't get the surgery on his shoulder. He got the rehab, came back kind of quick because he wanted to fight in the UK. And then I feel like that had some kind of he had some issues with his shoulder probably in this fight as well. And then now his he, he has his shoulder. He has his knee. How long he's going to be out for? That's going to just give time for Hadley to become a bigger star. This is what I see happening. And then Makayev is going to come back and uh, and have to build himself up. But I like your idea. I, I wish they would build uh fighters more let them fight out you know prospects and, and guys that they could kind of feel out the oct octagon and, and build more hours in there jack shore is another one he's at featherweight now i think they should just give him fighters that he can build himself upon not not just throw him in there because they're trying to hype him too as well you know what i mean of course you know jack has a following and all that but is he a guy that can jump in right now at featherweight there's a lot of dudes that would crush him dude like crush him in that top 15 i don't think that they should uh they should jump him in there. And, uh, but there's so, you know, like Laura Murphy, he's a little bit up there in age. He's got to jump in there with some, you know, higher level talent. And, and, uh, his fight, it was close. Santos, you know, a lot of people think he won that fight. And, and I could, I could not argue against that. I cannot argue against that. Uh, Murphy, he came back from almost dying. And this is his second time coming back from almost dying, right? The first time is he got shot in the neck and the face. So it's just like, you know, that guy is just, you know, like, let's just push him because he he's I think he's like 30, maybe 30, early 30s, probably. But um, to me, I agree with you. I think Hadley and Makayev is the future of the flyweight division. And both those guys will probably end up uh, holding that belt. Both of them. Um, J-Spec, what do you think? Who do you think? Who do you like in that prospect pool? Well, definitely Mokaev. I mean, everybody's behind him already. They like him. They like what they see from him. And if you weren't on board with him, his exhibition of just pure heart that he showed is is things of magic, right? You're you're gifted by the fight gods, punching power. You're gifted by the gods, the uh, iron chin, and then you got the lion heart. And he's got at least that last one, like in bounty. Um, it was impressive. It, almost impressive is like short selling it to have his knee completely torqued you can see how instantly he was hurt and then still just like 
get the next position and choke the dude out. Um, I mean, just how how much greatness do we want to see? I also think that plays into like his fighting style. Like, I'm just saying we've all been young once, and I hope everybody's had success once. And sometimes when both of those two things are happening at once, why change it? Like, I know from the outsiders want to talk about, like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. But for right now, I can place you on the rug and I can own you. And with his knee getting bent out like that, not quitting and keeping his style, I don't really think he has to. Like, until it it shows that it doesn't work, it is working. Um, on the other side, like you said, I, I hope him the very best in all recovery, whatever he needs to do to take some time off, dude, you're fully registered in the hearts and minds of all the fighters, uh, fight fans, excuse me, what I wanted to say, we're, we're, we're not, uh, we're not leaving anytime soon. We know you're legit coming up. So your, your place is held, go get well, go get solid. We do want to see great fights. Like you said, matched up with Hadley UFC definitely has to start slow cooking some dudes. They've been churning and burning dudes a lot. In the past two years, three years, we've seen it. So there needs to be that progression. They need to give more people the Sugar Sean O'Malley treatment of, hey. And I don't mean like crushing cans. I hate that word. But, you know, let let it happen. And then when he does look good, throw him against like what happened for Sean. Like, hey, straight to the front of the line. You really about this? Come come test and see what's up. And, oh, you can hang. So with that being said, uh, yeah, Mokaev is my number one. But. I also want to give a little bit of shine to Jack Shore because I, I like Jack Shore. I've been a big Jack Shore fan for a minute. I think he's good. Even though he moved up in weight, I was like, oh, I want to see how this works out. Is it, you know, we don't know really know for sure if that's like 100% Jack Shore kicking ass or was it Makwan doing Makwan things, you know, Amir Khani just looking like what we all expected, right? Just animal first round and then who – is this guy, is this his evil twin in the second round? It was crazy. So with that being said, those are my two guys. Uh, so highest Mokaev, second would be Mr. Shore. James, um, Bakwan and Mirakani, man, isn't it crazy? Like, you know what you need to work on, but you just never fix it. And you stay in yeah. the UFC for year after year after year. Isn't it just wild? Like, fighters can yeah. continue like that? It, it's genetics, man. It must be because... Look, maybe every once in a while you get a fighter who really doesn't train his cardio and just doesn't do well. But for the most part, these guys are training their cardio every day. You know what I mean? They're in the gym. They should have better cardio than they do when we're speaking about many, many fighters in the UFC that are round one or bust. That's what we call them in the gambling scene. You know, we say they're round one or bust. That means if they don't get the finish in round one, they're bust. They're going to lose the fight, right? And Mac one falls into that bracket. And a lot of other fighters do too. And... It, it must just be a genetic thing, you know. I, I've not never seen research or papers on it. I don't think there has been studies specifically done, you know. But these guys will work on it for sure. But then when it comes, you know, fight time, they do the same thing every 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 single fight. You know, it's it's honestly crazy to see. But it must be a genetic thing because I can't feel like I can't say every single one of them is just like, you know, not not doing their cardio. You know what I mean? Or they're just eating bad or partying or something like that but yeah, yeah it's crazy it's, to see it's crazy it is it is and and jack shore in a way i feel like he got a setup fight in that one just like hey we're gonna open the door for you at featherweight here's a good matchup and get past the first round and you can get a finish and uh and be able to show out a little bit um now before we head out 
I did. I wanted to tap on some some topics that are running around in MMA right now, and the first one is uh, is USADA, and and the whole USADA versus Conor McGregor situation, and uh, it's to me it's like I don't even respect USADA anymore. Like I have no respect for USADA. I feel like USADA is is just a just just like an employee for the UFC, basically, right? They just do what the UFC wants. Even Dana White comes out and all of a sudden he's just like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Like, that's not me. That's USADA and Conor McGregor. But if it was another situation, then he would have his opinions, right? Are, are fighters fighting? Are they playing on an even ground, you think, right now in the UFC, James? What What do you mean by that? Like, you know, the treatment with USADA, you know, certain guys get tested 50 times. Like we saw Yuri yeah. getting tested 50 times last year. And then certain other guys are in the top 15 or even champions. They're getting tested one or once or twice a year. It's pretty clear that I don't know what it is, but there's there's something going on that that is not that doesn't meet the eye. You know, I, I remember back in <clears throat> what was it? 28. 19 maybe when um that's just a guess when john jones come back and fought daniel cormier that the whole picogram saga right so he pops for steroids but then apparently oh it's not that bad it's only picogram it's it's not popping for steroids and another thing with usada they consistently change their threshold for what they consider a steroid right so like one year it's okay you need this many grams of nandrolone or whatever it is but then the next year it's like Oh, it's okay. You can have that now, you know, like, but you can't have a hundred grams. And they say it's because the science is changing, which is probably true. But then that also means that how can we really trust it? You know, because if you're changing it every, every year, then really what, what are you really saying? And then we know for a fact, certain fighters are juicing because they get popped for it. But then some fighters miraculously, you know, look 10 times better than they've ever looked physically in their cardio, you know, it, like they can go five rounds where they only went one round before. And it's kind of obvious that they're juicing. And then loads of other fighters have come out and consistently and say, people juice all the time. Michael Bisping has been, you know, the captain of the anti-steroid ship. You know, he's been saying he works for the UFC and he's been saying for the last 10 years, everybody's juicing. I was one of the only ones who's not doing it. And I still became champion. So that just shows you, you know, you need to. Do, so like, Everybody knows that people are juicing. And there's some weird stuff where it seems like John Jones was able to come back from this picogram saga and Dana White's holding a press conference with Jeff Nowitzki saying that actually John Jones is not guilty. It's nothing. He got proven wrong. But then he was popped six times or whatever it was. It, it is crazy. And now with this Connor thing, I haven't stayed up to date with it. So I don't know the ins and outs. You know, I know that Connor said something like, F you, Sada, you don't mean anything. And like, usually you would think that, well, then he shouldn't be able to fight, right? If he's saying certain things like that, because he's essentially saying he's not going to do testing or I don't know. I haven't kept up with it fully, but it, it, it does seem like something's fishy going on, you know, but I don't know what that is. There, but there was also um, uh, the Darren Till thing where he's released from the UFC because Darren Till wants to go out and, and not be tested. So it could get his injuries taken care of and some of the... Right. Some of the treatment for the injuries will is is on the banned list, or most yeah, likely yeah. on the banned list, or maybe on the banned list. He doesn't know for sure. Um, and then there's the the TJ Dillashaw. He retires. 
but who knows, you know what I mean? Maybe he's retiring to get out of the testing pool, you yeah. know, and he's a guy that they probably have their eyes on, you know what I mean? He's he's like the poster boy, right? He's the one, the major name, the first one to come out and just get completely, like, like uh, just completely murdered by USADA, you know what I mean? Like just three-year ban and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like fighters are figuring out loopholes. You know, you got the IV situation as well, you know, they thought you weren't IVs were banned by USADA and then somehow like secretly like you now you can take 100 milligrams every 12 hours when they were banned and a lot of fighters thought you weren't allowed to use IVs at all and then the ones that knew were using the IVs but then if you use an IV you have to report it to USADA or report it to the commission but there's no log of anybody using IVs or reporting yeah. that they use IVs but clearly someone's using IVs you know what I mean? I've been hearing stories of fighters using IVs th- the whole time and um it's like e- are they even doing their job or you know there's the whole conspiracy theory with they just brought them in so they could look legitimate and and sell the UFC for what was it? $3.3 billion and, and right away in the sunset. And, and that's what they did. If it was that for that reason, they did a, a great job, a great job. And now it's like, do they even need them around? You know what I mean? Like, do they even need it? You know, this seems like, you know, the commissions really don't care at all. You know what I mean? They, of course the commissions test them on, you know, fight week, but uh, Everybody, you know, it's like the smell test. Everybody can go into fight week clean pretty much, right? You got to be like, I forgot what coach said. You got to be dumb to get busted during fight week, right? It's it's out of competition testing. And, and, you know, fighters will say like, you know, I'll fight a guy on steroids. It's like, really? Like, there's a reason why you're in the UFC because it's supposed to be the cleanest promotion, right? Like, you shouldn't say that you would fight a guy on steroids. It doesn't make any sense. To me, it's uh, it's very, very odd, man, like what they're doing. And and, you know, people talk about it's conspiracy theories. It's not, man, because like Connor, clearly. He's doing something, you know, what I mean, like you see him walking around, you know, what I mean, like he it looks like it's not like he's just going and weight training with bodybuilders and there would be no reason to do that. Right. You're a fighter. Why would you bodybuild? Um, but Jay Speck. Any final thoughts on this topic? Oh, I got a lot. First off, steroids in this sport sucks. It takes away all the integrity of the sport. I've been watching it literally since the beginning. I'm a fan for this since I'm eight years old until the day I die. I hate it. I hate it a lot. One of the first guys, Uncle BJ Penn, was against it. And there's many other guys against it, including Bisbing and everybody else, right? The If you don't have rules, and I'll jump into something else. If you don't have rules that apply to everyone, it's not rules, all right? It's just arbitrary bullshit that's used to hold other people down and let other people get away with shit. We got way too much of that in all of our societies across the world, so we don't need any of that. Next, um, Uncle Chael said, you know, a juicer knows a juicer. He was admitted to ju- being juiced up. He can tell which guys are juiced up. I mean, if it's that simple, I mean... Come on. I mean, we all know that there's people doing it. It shouldn't be this obvious. It shouldn't be that hard. Next, and maybe not lastly, but something I want to bring up is I don't want any more parts of – I love boxing. Let me just say that. I don't want any of the shitty parts of boxing leaking over to MMA. 
And one of those things is a couple years ago, there was a world title fight that the champion popped for a diuretic in in the rule book for that. And they moved the entire venue onto a Native American land reservation, which is under a different guideline that doesn't have the verbiage for that diuretic. So he wasn't stripped of the title and the fight could continue. I do not want this to start being the thing in the UFC or MMA anywhere in general. It sucks. And what is so hard if we're going to have uh, – oh, I also want to ask you the question, is USADA necessary? No, they're, they're clearly trash, dude. Like, get them out. There's got to be some other organization that has more clearer rules, more set standards. There's got to be somebody out there. There needs to be some kind of testing. I'm not for the whole, hey, just let them juice, let them juice. No, no, let's not do that. All right, I do care about how the fighters live after the fight game's over. So let's let's throw that out the window. But we we do need to have – uh, a fair system like a what hey you're gonna get tested twice a month it's gonna be random as shit and that's what just how it goes like why is that so hard i'm pretty sure steroids last in your system longer than two weeks so if everybody gets tested twice in a month at random in the calendar month so everybody gets done it's not that hard dude like i'm a regular guy i just figured it out Ta-da! so you sat as a joke they're um they're puppets behind the organization like i said this is this is a direct copycat of poison from other fighting leagues, like I said, in boxing and whatnot. So the organization, the UFC, the promotion, I should say, is hiding behind an organization. And this is this is shell games and shadow movement and bullshit. Get it out of the sport, man. I just can't wait until uh, Dana White pulls puts out that documentary he says he's putting out again, once again, about like the media and everything and, and how shitty they are. It's, it's going to be funny, man. I'm interested to see who... Uh, who pops up on there about the whole situation. Um, Anderson Silva, man, he finally enters the UFC Hall of Fame. He was popped as well, even though I hate to say that, but he was popped as well for, I believe, dick pills or something, right? 7-Eleven dick pills. You know, he was trying to get his freak on. I don't know for sure. You know what I mean? Who knows from that era? Um but going back to the venue change, didn't they do that for John Jones, right? It was supposed to be yeah. in Vegas. And they, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Anyways, Anderson Silva, UFC Hall of Fame, finally. What do you think, James? How far does your MMA go back? Like you watching MMA like live and knowing the sport? So I'm 28, right? So I first started getting involved in combat sports through boxing. You know, in the UK, I grew up in London, right? So in the UK, boxing is huge. You know, MMA is not that big. Now it's, you know, super popular now. But when I was growing up, it wasn't that popular, right? It's boxing. So my first love of combat sports was boxing. We used to do boxing as kids uh, in our school. You know, when we used to go for like um, PE, physical education, we used to play boxing. But I didn't start getting into MMA till after boxing. I started learning about... well. I initially watched MMA with my dad. We watched a promotion called Cage Rage, which I think Anderson Silva actually fought in that promotion, which is quite crazy. If you remember his knockout over Tony Frickland, which was the upwards elbow with the yellow cage, I'm pretty sure that was in Cage Rage. Um, Or it might have been in UC MMA or something, but I'm pretty sure that was in Cage Rage, right? Old school promotion. I used to watch that with my dad, but I was super young. I just wanted to hang with my dad. And he, he would just have it on the TV. I don't think he was even too interested. So that was like my first, you know, it was like two bald men 
too bald like because you're talking about 20 years ago you know these fighters they wasn't really high level they were just like bald guys tattoos that just wanted to fight each other you know it wasn't really high level type of promotion they was on tv and i used to watch it but i didn't actually really start started getting into the mma until quite late around 2015 2014 so i remember it was the era where stipe miocic first made his run he knocked out um uh, Andrei Arlovsky, you know, I think that was in like 2016, 2015, when McGregor fought Chad Mendes. Um, I remember that was like the first big fight. My friend told me, hey, there's this Irish guy called Conor McGregor. Like, you'll probably like him because he's quite like, he's similar to us. He's rowdy. He's young. He's from Ireland. We're from England. He makes jokes that we do, you know, like that type of English banter. So I went and watched him. And um, that's when I really fell in love with the sport. So it wasn't around the time. That was way past Anderson Silva's prime and stuff. Anderson was still fighting, of course. You know, I remember staying up to watch him versus Michael Bisping. I love that fight, of course. Great fight. But obviously, I know a lot about Anderson Silva, right? I know the history behind him. I've gone back and watched a lot of his fights. You know, he's had a fight. He used to fight in England. So I know him quite well in terms of for that reason, right? I know a lot of things about him fighting behind the scenes. I remember when he fought Lee Murray. You know, we used to look up to Lee Murray when we was a bit younger, probably for the wrong reasons, but he fought Lee Murray. That was a great fight, three-round fight. Um, so I, I love Anderson Silva. Yeah, he probably was juicing. Everybody was juicing. Everyone's juicing in virtually every sport. It's a fact of the world. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't think it should happen because there's certain people out there that don't. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. He's, he's an amazing fighter, one of the best fighters of all time. His striking style is like etched into history. So many fighters these days come up saying, you know, Anderson Silva got me into MMA. I mean, if you just think about how many men and women even across the world literally step foot into an MMA gym because of Anderson Silva, it must be hundreds of thousands you know i mean in brazil alone it's going to be tens of thousands imagine all across the world so you know his his legacy on the sport goes well or legacy on the world goes well beyond mma because he's made men women make positive decisions like going into an mma gym you know working on their health you know these things a lot a lot of times we just look at the fight and we look at brutal knockouts and elbows and people getting out and we actually forget that you know stepping into an mma gym becoming more self-conscious about your health and, and and sport in general is actually a massive positive for the world you know so without going all emotional and deep into it anderson silver's a legend he's impacted the entire world and i'm very happy that you know his inevitable induction into the hall of fame happened yesterday you make a great point about the impact because i feel like he was the he was probably one of the first ufc fighters to have that kind of impact not in popularity but just in in like fighters or people just entering martial arts and connor as well you know of course connor's just exploded right he's just like the impact is you can't compare it to like what anderson silva uh connor's much bigger you know, but Anderson Silva, he had the kind of like that same impact. You know, Ronda Rousey was like right between them, right between them. Um, but yeah, Anderson Silva, if you watch him, he's probably one of the most exciting fighters to watch. And he was the champion the whole time, which is unheard of, 
unheard of, right? We'll probably never see that. Like, see the type of performances a champion will come out because now it's just so high level, right? It's just everybody's good at everything. J Spec, what do you think of uh, what do you think of them putting him in the pioneer wing though? Like, what pioneer is he a pioneer? Like, no, like he was voice Gracie a pioneer, yeah, dude. First off, wrong category, right move, like, good job on the hall of fame thing. I think. He was like a auto. If you do have an automatic walk-in shoe-in person, it's gotta be Anderson Silva. It's it's not debatable whether he should be there or not. Uh, can we also say just the UFC Hall of Fame is like a shit show and poorly organized and just like kind of just stupidly Clearly. ran? Yeah, thank Clearly. you. Uh, um, but besides that, he well deserved. The man totally deserves it. Pioneer era. Uh, wrong i don't know what the different names of them are called but i would call it the golden era he to me he's like the stamp of the beginning of the golden era past the pioneer era, not the same as hoist but equally important in my opinion i remember uh when you know he was coming up and shocking the world and then took over casual fans were thinking anderson was his last name they're like oh that anderson guy is fighting i've heard that so much it hurt my soul uh, but then everybody came to learn his, you know, what his real proper name is actually. So, uh, with all that being said, man, Anderson Silva deserves, deserved, and well done to be in the UFC uh, Hall of Fame. I'm surprised it took this long. I thought the moment he dropped the gloves, they should have just did they even have a jacket. They should just put the Hall of Fame jacket on him. If I don't even know that's a thing for them. But the point is, uh, I'm happy for him. He did inspire currently and still inspiring people in the positive way to do things and um let's be honest like he even made stupid steven seagal like somewhat legitimate right like you got to be magical to pull that shit off and the spider civil was magical good for him yeah you know there's always the good and the bad right and one of the bad things is that jake paul has a win over a ufc hall of famer that's a terrible thing but anyways um let's shut this shit down um james Tell everybody where they can find you, what you could do for them, because I know there's people watching that could benefit from your knowledge. Yeah, thanks, man. First of all, thanks for having me on, uh, J-Spec, J-H-K. I've appreciated it, and I've enjoyed it, you know? I love speaking about MMA anytime with anybody. You know, the random guy on the street that I meet in the pub or something, I'd probably speak to them about MMA. So especially someone like yourselves who knows a lot about the sport, who's been in the sport longer than me, I appreciate it. All, always down to do it again. Uh, anyone can find me on lucrative mma socials i've got instagram lucrative mma twitter lucrative mma i'm a professional gambler so i was brought up around the sports betting industries of the uk and now i only bet on mma because that's a, a market that is very easily won i should say it's very hard to win mma right it's, it's very hard to win gambling in general but mma is probably the weakest market at the moment it's obviously getting better and better each year, but so are we. So, you know, I'm a professional gambler. If you want to find me at lucrativemmabetting.com if you want to learn more about me and all, all of that sort of stuff. But that's it, man. I help people make money from betting on MMA. Um, and I'm excited to do that maybe on your show in the future because I think we're going to do a pick show at some point. I don't know if you want to let that off live now. I've done it. If not, uh, apologies. But yeah, I'm excited to uh, do this again in the future, man, for sure. Of course, man. Of course, man. I'm going to, we got to plug it, man. Next uh, yeah. next month, April 7th, uh, April 7th for us, April 6th for the people yeah. over there in, in the U.S. Uh, 
We're going to do the pick show for uh, UFC 287, a big one. And uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, good information because we have a lot of people we know behind the scenes. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. Hopefully, uh, you guys will be here and and make picks. The, the community is growing, man. Last week, like hundreds hopped on the app and made picks. I'm enjoying it, and I enjoy the banner that you guys have on in the chat and uh jspec go follow him on twitter so you guys can get involved in the in the polls and the predictions and he'll put you on the show on thursdays thank you so much for joining us go into descriptions download the all-star app and uh and join us see you guys next week or actually see you guys on thursday night for uh for next week's event we'll have mike's mma picks on the show peace out and love <laughs>